Hey, basketball fans, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Around the Rim, your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast. Before we get into today's episode, we just want to remind you that we need your support. That's right. Make sure you are subscribing to Around the Rim, wherever it is that you get your podcast. Remember, you can find us also on the ESPN app, on Spotify, uh, but definitely subscribe, rate us, comments, whatever you have to say, leave us a note. And if you want to talk directly to Tariq and I, uh, you can find us on social media at Around the Rim Pod on Twitter. Um, I am at LaChina Robinson. Tarika is at SheKnowsSports underscore. And we also have an email for those that are into that kind of thing. <laughs> it is at Around the Rim Podcast at gmail.com. So email us, tweet us. Comment, share, subscribe. This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hello, basketball fans, and welcome into a brand spanking new episode of your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. I'm your host, LaChina Robinson, joined by my fantastic and fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby. And we have WNBA basketball coming this week. Yes, we've been waiting, waiting, and the day is finally here. Games tip off this Saturday, July 25th. Tarika will fill you in in a moment on uh, what to look forward to this weekend as far as the matchups. Um, I know we discussed it a little bit in our last pod, but just a reminder because the games are the most important thing, and there's an amazing slate for uh, fans on ESPN and ABC this weekend that you will want to check out. But today on the podcast, uh, we welcomed in De'Erica Hamby. Well, first, let me just say this. Tariq and I were thinking about the bubbles, right? There's the NBA bubble, and then there's the WNBA bubble. And no, I'm not calling it the wobble. Come on, what's wrong with the wobble? It just sounds like, listen, it sounds like a joke, which some people may have their own opinions about that, but we're getting ready to play basketball. I don't want to say they're playing basketball in the wobble. That sounds super whack. Like, it's, just call it a bubble. It's, it's, it's women's empowerment. I love it. I don't know who came up with it, but I love it. It just, what it, wait, what is women's empowerment about a wobble? Because we have taken something that was generally for the NBA, because remember, back when they were first starting this, they weren't calling this a bubble at all. It was like there was always like this notion of something like what the NBA is doing. It was never called a bubble. And then finally, someone decided to say, let's stop playing around and beating around the bush and call it what it is. And they said, no, we're not playing in the bubble like the boys, like the men. We're playing in the wobble. This is a women's bubble. We're the bomb. I like that. It's taking something that wasn't meant for you and making it your own. I like well, it. No, first of all, the only reason why we weren't calling it a bubble to begin with is the league didn't want us to call it a bubble. They wanted us to call it a single site. So everyone just got away from that because everyone was still calling it a bubble. So it had nothing to do with the NBA, first and foremost. And wobble is, sounds like something, one of Barney's friends. Okay, like this is we'll agree to disagree. (laughs) Yeah, this is not an episode of Barney and Friends. So anyway, we wanted to get both sides of the bubble. So we have two guests. Um, One is a current WNBA player. The other is a former. 
Um, one will give us an idea of what's happening in the WNBA bubble, and the other will give us the NBA. So on the WNBA bubble side, we have Dierica Hamby, who is the reigning sixth woman of the year, forward for the Las Vegas Aces, most famous for her Hamby heave, that shot that she made in the playoffs, the game winner, um, that was just the shot that will go down in history. Unbelievable. Got a steal hit a shot from basically half court in the waning moments of that game to take down the Chicago sky and advance to the playoffs. But she is also just one of the emerging stars in the WNBA. Um, no, uh, Liz can't beige this season. So a lot of responsibility on Asia Wilson's shoulder and a bigger role for Dierica Hamby. So we will talk to her about all things bubble, her beautiful and amazing and talented and entertaining daughter, Amaya, who needs to have a, a modeling contract. <laughs> um, we'll talk about Bill and Beer, of course. Yeah, we'll just get into what's happening in the WNBA bubble. And then one of my favorite, I mean, I'm not obsessed with too many people. Folks that know me know I'm obsessed with Jay-Z, right? That's that's a, a that's given. A good one. Um, um semi-obsessed with Beyonce. I wouldn't say really, but I am a major fan. But Jay-Z for sure. Um, Serena, I mean, there's only a handful of people I'm like just a crazed fanatic of. Um, and Allison Feaster would be one of those people. She's on our podcast today. If you don't know who Allison Feaster is, she is currently the vice president, VP of player development and organizational growth for the Celtics. This woman is a vice president in the NBA and she's on our podcast. But more important to me than that is that she was three-time Ivy League player of the year at Harvard. And you probably remember that amazing moment in NCAA women's basketball history where the number 16 seed Harvard took out Stanford. Yeah, well, that was all about Allison Feaster. Um, she would go on to play professionally for 10 years in WNBA and also overseas. But in her role with the Celtics, she is in the NBA bubble. So she is going to give us some insight into what's happening on that end. We will also talk about just the challenges of making it um, to such a powerful and influential position in the NBA as a woman, as a woman of color. Um, Allison is incredibly kind and thoughtful and brilliant, of course. I mean, she went to Harvard. Uh, so I'm excited for fans to get to know her. Um, yeah. And with that, Tarika, what should we be looking out for this weekend? Or when do fans need to have their television on to watch WNBA? Well, you should already have your television turned on and set to get ready for this weekend. But we are going to be kicking off the WNBA season on Saturday, July 25th, with first the Seattle Storm going up against the New York Liberty. We are going to see Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart back on the court against rookie Sabrina Unescu, who unfortunately had to end her college season much earlier than anticipated due to the tournament being canceled for COVID-19. But we are excited to see her in a Liberty jersey taking the court at noon on Saturday on ESPN and then immediately following we're going to see the Los Angeles Sparks take on the Phoenix Mercury at 3 o'clock p.m. on ABC. Then on Sunday, July 26th, my Connecticut Sun will be facing off against the Minnesota Lynx at noon on ESPN, followed by the Chicago Sky and the Las Vegas Aces. That's right, our girl Dierica Hamby will be back on the court on Sunday at 3 o'clock p.m on ABC so definitely want to be checking out both of those games now the China 
What do you have for opening weekend? Are you making any early predictions? Well, I'm just excited to see Sabrina Ionescu facing off against Sue Bird, um, reliving the rivalry between Phoenix and L.A. with Candace Parker and Diana Taurasi that people seem to kind of forget about. There's the rematch of last year's Heartbreaker with Chicago and Vegas. And Mm -hmm. then Connecticut, the team that actually really got their heart broken in the finals, um, losing to the Washington Mystics in a pivotal game five and then playing against Minnesota. I'm always I'm always looking forward to seeing Sylvia Fowles. Come on now. Right. I'm actually kind of excited to see Minnesota, too, though, just because I know Nafisa um, had an extremely crazy rookie year, the reigning rookie of the year. So I want to see her come back and and, and show out pretty much. Um, but yeah, so guys, uh, make sure you are tuned in and locked in for the start of the season this weekend. Um, but with that, we will move into hearing from Dierica. All right, basketball fans. Well, um, right now we are being joined by a very special guest. And I promise you I'm not saying this just because she's a Wake Forest grad. So don't even start hitting my Twitter with the comments. We are joined by the reigning sixth woman of the year in the WNBA, the number six overall draft pick in the 2015 WNBA draft, Dierka Hamby. 2015 seems so long. Yes. I was just thinking about, I was like, dang, I've been playing. This is my sixth season. And it doesn't, it really doesn't feel like it. That is crazy how fast time has gone by. But you're playing your best basketball coming off of the sixth woman of the year award. And of course, the most famous play uh, of last season, but it might be like in any season, the Hamby Heave, other than obviously the teaspoon shot. I mean, it's right there with it. But I'm just curious, like since that moment when you hit that crazy shot against Chicago in the playoffs, What's been, like, the wildest, like, response or, like, what do people say when they see you? <laughs> or they always send you pictures? I think I've seen a couple tattoos. Did I see a tattoo? Yeah, I think I've got those. I've seen three tattoos on people. Uh, two of the shot and then one is just, like, of me. Um, just, like, the back of my jersey and, like, I look like I'm flying almost. That's pretty cool. Um, so those are interesting because you always see, obviously, people get, like, Michael Jordan and – LeBron tattooed on them but I don't think I'd seen any WNBA players and then I'm obviously like I'm known but I'm not like a big time WNBA player so to have me tattooed on people is kind of insane <laughs> but that moment was insane like let's be honest yeah I'm, no I'm, I'm anxiety from it like I don't sleep <laughs> like it's crazy when I watch it to this day like first of all I was in the building and so I, I will never forget and I don't know if it was better to be in the building or if I would have wanted to be at like in the crowd just watching it well I wanted to be in the building but I wanted to be in the crowd not calling the game because I was actually trying to figure out what was going on like I didn't <laughs> have any time to really absorb what happened and you hit the shot on the opposite side of the court I wish you had hit it on my side so I could really have a good <laughs> view um, but I would have stuck your hand out and like high fived me. You would have gotten in trouble. <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, you're right. So it's probably good that I was not on that side of the court. Um, but that was just a, a moment. I mean, and, and speaking of which, we get a rematch on opening weekend between you guys, yep. and Chicago, Las Vegas Aces, Chicago Sky. Like, what? How do you feel about, and I should have said at the beginning, yes, Dierica is with the Las Vegas Aces for those who aren't paying attention. She got drafted to San Antonio, but she's now in Vegas. Um, what, how do you feel when you think about a rematch with 
Chicago and your good friend, sister, Diamond Shields. Yeah, uh, those games are always fun for me just to go up against her. And I think we kind of created like, uh, what's it called? Um, a rivalry? Yeah, a rivalry between like us and Chicago and just, Liz is in here obviously, but she obviously talked a lot of trash with Chicago. So uh, we kind of have to take on that. But um, I'm always looking forward to playing Chicago. So was there history before the shot with Chicago? Yeah. <laughs> Like, but there was some stuff going on, and obviously we got her back, oh. back in their teammates. So it was a little bit of, a little bit of heat. Right. <laughs> Stephanie Dulce. Oh, that's right, the Stephanie Dulce situation. I just remember that. Okay. Yeah, so, I forgot about that. Yeah, that help. <laughs> oh, maybe a little different facing them this time without Liz. You know, not as much drama on Sunday. Right. Um, so one of the things I, I do want to talk to you about the bubble in, in a moment, and I'm not calling it the wobble just because I just, it doesn't feel right for me. Like I understand the whole concept <laughs> behind it, but I just, it doesn't, it feels kind of corny. Um, so, but I want to talk about Amaya first because okay. you are one of the, um, the many WNBA players that is in the bubble with your, your little baby girl who is a star at this point. I mean, she was on yeah. a show, she's gone viral. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she she thought you were the WNBA logo, which is one of the cutest stories I've ever heard. Like, what's how is she handling this adjustment? Um, I've been talking about this a lot lately, actually. Uh, I think she's enjoying it, but I do find at times she gets kind of frustrated uh, just because everything's so restricted. Like, there's not much she can do. I mean, we're fortunate that I drove down instead of flying, so I was able to bring, like, a lot of her toys. So we have, like, the re those resources, but I can tell sometimes she gets kind of irritated because she's super smart, so she needs to be stimulated. So we go on a lot of walks. Like, we just get on the tram sometimes, and I just take her on rides just to – keep her brain going but um so I'm not like sticking on the phone all day yeah. um so that's kind of been hard and even just like her personality like she's super friendly and like she wants to run up to the workers like she's made friends with like the people like in the lodge that work here and she like wants to run up and she's hugging them and they're like oh you can't do that and so she's like huh and then I mean she understands about the virus but so I have to be like oh it's the virus like you can't hug them and she's like she gets kind of sad so that's kind of sad for me to see but uh, I mean, we're taking it a day at a time, so we'll see. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's good that she understands about the virus. And yes, we know that <laughs> we saw the video of her telling her mom to put her mask on, screaming at you. Literally, it was, I pulled it down. Like, we're on the tram, it's just me and her just riding, and I, like, had it down just a little bit. And she was like, pull it over your nose. And then I wanted, what? And she's like, pull it over your nose. <laughs> I was like, and that's when I put my phone out. So I was like, what'd you say? And she's like, your mask. Yeah, yeah, no. I was like, she is hot with you right now. You might oh. want to get that mask up. <laughs> no, that, that was pretty funny. I mean, did you have any hesitancy in bringing her to the bubble? Like, was that a hard decision to make? I mean, once you decided. Uh, no, I was, she was going to come. I kind of contemplated, like, back and forth about if I would go or not just because I didn't want to necessarily put her in that situation but it was known if I came to the bubble that she was going to be with me and my mom so and she's yeah. she's traveled right she's gone overseas with you yeah for sure she's I mean she's been doing this her entire life now so her short three and a half years but yeah she um she was in Italy with me for the last 
three years and then Vegas in San Antonio her first summer being born. Oh. Built for it. Built for it. Okay, so let's talk about this bubble situation. I guess my first question is, because someone asked me this earlier, and I was like, you know, I haven't talked to any players about this. How does the WNBA feel about some of the amenities that you've been privy to seeing on social media that the NBA has in their bubble, like the barbershop, <laughs> the entertainment, all the, all the extras. And they were like, well, are the WNBA players, do they see, they pay attention to all that? But I see the smart remarks on social media. So like, what are the thoughts as you see all that rolling out? I mean, the players, we like joke with each other, like me and Asia send each other stuff all the time. Like, Oh, looks so <laughs> like, looks like so much fun. And, like, <laughs> yeah. but the league hasn't said anything like to us directly about it. I saw Todd for like a little bit, and I was like, "Oh, like maybe we can have an excursion to Disneyland and like go on the roller coasters." Like, and they're like, "Oh, maybe one day." Like, <laughs> yeah, I saw you pushing for like a bubble visit, and I was like, "That's probably not gonna happen." <laughs> not gonna happen. Yeah. But, hey, if you don't ask, what's the worst you can get back? Just know, so. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, what has it been like since you arrived there? Like, I know I was actually on FaceTime with you maybe one day and you saw a snake. And so there's a little, you know. <laughs> there was two of them, first of all, and they were chasing each other and they looked directly at me and Amaya. And Amaya's like, ooh, a snake. Because she doesn't know, like, that she probably shouldn't be playing with snakes. But right. so she's like, ooh, and she's like trying to walk back to it. And I'm like, no, I'm like, stay. <laughs> Don't move. And I like, picked her up. But um. I, I think honestly, for the most part, for me and I see my, my teammates, like we've kind of just been in our rooms. Like I know a lot of people are getting out and stuff, but we've just been trying to like stay precautious about everything until we're like super in the clear. Um, so I think now people are starting to get out more and kind of help pass time. But I think once we start playing, it'll start flowing easier and we probably won't hear a peep out of people. So we'll see. Are you happy with everything now, like as far as your accommodations and food? I know there was so much drama early on, but you feel good about everything? Yeah, I mean, the food in the beginning, was I think it was just because it was being like passed out and it had been like sitting a little bit. But the cafeteria food has been good. It's not bad at all. Every once in a while, I'll order out. Um, my place is fine. I kind of have like an apartment style uh, place, like two bedroom. My mom has like two beds in there, uh, like a big living room. So it's been fine. They actually renovated. I don't know if anybody told you, but they renovated the laundry rooms. <laughs> so okay. they look like, Yeah, they're super nice. That so. is great news. That's Tarika laughing, just so y'all know. Oh, I didn't even realize that I was, like, off mute. <laughs> yeah, we started laughing about the laundry room renovations. Tarika, sorry. Yeah, they did that, and ever since then, it's kind of been like, oh, okay. Um, the one thing is, like, we ride the tram, which is kind of, like, annoying because it's, like, you don't know when the tram's going to come. So a lot of people got in bikes. So they're, I haven't been on a bike yet, but they're kind of enjoying the bike rides. Um, it's hot out here, though, honestly. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> you said you what? I'm not getting on anybody's bike. It's hot. Oh, yeah, it is hot. No, it is definitely hot. So what's it been like as far as the training? Like, how is it different than how you would approach a normal season? Obviously, it's a shorting training camp. We've mm -hmm. heard. We've heard Bill whining about, you know, he doesn't have that many players <laughs> right now. So. I threw down a six one day. It was bad. Down a six? Yeah, one day. Wow. So how is it? I mean, you have a game this weekend. So, like, how prepared are y'all feeling? Like, how, how's that going? We started, we scrimmaged uh, Minnesota and Dallas 
the last few days. So we're sorry. That was our first time going five on five, though, because we've only been able to do like three on three or four on four. Um, so as far as the training, though, it's been I kind of prefer it this way <laughs> just because you're only limited to like a certain time block. So it's like you got to be in, you got to be out and you got to go like there's no time to be like, oh, well, you need to spend an extra hour in the gym. So I've enjoyed that, but. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, because Bill did comment the other day that Derica doesn't like to do extra work. I was like, okay, Bill, we see where this is. We see where you, how you uh, really feel. We had our conversation and I've been doing extra work for him. Okay. For okay. So we're making progress with that, but um, he's like, what else do you have to do, honestly? And I'm like, I guess you got a point. <laughs> but uh, so that the train has been fine though. The facilities are nice. Um, I think it's just a lot more on like the managers and stuff. They have to like wipe everything down, keep everything separated. They have like these pods they have to put everything into. So they're kind of running crazy. You know, we get the, we just get our bag and stuff and go play basketball. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, training's been fine. Uh, we haven't been able to have two days. A lot of teams are doing two days and lifting weights and stuff, but we've literally have only gone once a day. So yeah, which well, with those numbers, you might that might be a good thing. <laughs> you might be playing uh, all the minutes come this weekend. I already know. I already know. <laughs> and, and so, and you guys are still getting tested every day, right? Yeah, at this moment, we are. I think once we start playing, though, I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna do about that, but as of now, we're getting tested every day. And does Amaya have to get tested every day too? No. Oh, okay. okay. I kind of like, when they first told me that she, uh, they were like, "Oh, we got to get tested, Maya too." And I was like, "There's no way I'm letting y'all like test her." So when you look at your your career, you know, people would kind of say last season you came out of nowhere. But I mean, you know, I was always like, "Y'all need to be checking for Dierka." Um, but all of a sudden, like you're a name that everyone knows, and there's been articles written. You know, Bill said it the other day, just like how much of a, you're just a, you're the kind of player that you look at you just, you know, in a normal situation running down, down the court and you don't know that you're about to get 20 points and 20 rebounds, but you're just kind of like sneaky, freakish, good, athletic, like your effort is incredible. Like how would you say you've gone from early on, you know, missing time because of maternity leave to being six women of the year and being, you know, one of, one of the major pieces um, mm -hmm. in the league? Um, I think I would say after I, I gave birth, uh, something clicked for me as far as just like the mentality of like everything, like do treat everything like it's your last. Uh, so I would say if you, I mean, if you've seen me play, just like the sense of urgency that I play with and just like literally every possession, I give everything my all. So I think the game has naturally just rewarded me for that. Like I don't cheat it. Um, so yeah, I just play through everything. I just play hard. I think he made the comment about like, he was like, she looks like she's about to pass out. And then yeah. she and then you beat everybody. <laughs> floor. So I think naturally, like that's been my gift too, just my being in shape, I guess my stamina. And then um, just like my speed, because that's usually what I beat people with, whether it's a move or just like beating people down the floor. Um, and just like out hustling people. Uh, I would say I'm tough. So, but I think that all came like after giving birth. Interesting how you're, you see life and you see those opportunities when there's someone, a little one, you know, looking up to yeah. you, watching you or depending on you. 
Yeah, I'd be embarrassed if she came like, you look lazy. And I'd be like, what? I <laughs> know. <laughs> <laughs> mommy can do better wait till next game <laughs> like we don't have that we don't have that kind of time yeah. um, so with that you know you're the kind of player that can play a, a lot of different roles on the court with no Liz Cambage you know last year you played some three some four like how do you feel about the two positions and what how may things change for you without Liz uh I think I'm going to continue to play my same game my same style I'm not going to try to do anything crazy but I think I mean, if I'm on the – people have seen, if I'm on the floor, I produce. So if you're talking about going from 25 minutes to 35 minutes, I mean, I'm not going to be the one to say it, but I yeah. think right. it'll show for itself. So I'm not going to put any kind of pressure on myself. I'm just going to play hard, and whatever comes to me will just come to me. Yeah. If, or is there something you're trying to do with your game to expand? Because as we know, you go from, okay, it's Dierica Hamby, we need to box her out to your sixth woman of the year. So now teams are going to be trying to game plan for how to limit your impact. Like, do you think about how you want to evolve as a player or what you might need to, to be adding as time goes on? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Bill and I have been working on uh, just being more consistent with my three-point shot and getting like kind of like a go-to move just because I'm super unorthodox. Like I shoot different every time. Like I don't have like a go-to move, you know, it's just kind of whatever comes to me, comes to me. So um, he's been like, I need you to shoot it more consistently. Um, so we've been working on that, like my, my timing on my shot and like getting it up a little bit. Um, and then working on a few post moves because uh, he's like, I literally have no choice. Like you have to play, like you have to be on the floor for us to be successful. So he's like, if you shoot the ball 30 times, I really don't care. So. <laughs> okay. I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm here for it. Um, what about Angel McCautry? What have you seen from her so far? I mean, we're all waiting, you know, saw her play a little bit overseas, but like, wondering what she's like now and, and how do you think she can help Vegas? Uh, I mean, she's, I mean, she fits right into our system. Just uh, that, uh -oh, the big guard perspective, like he likes big guards. Uh, you see what he tried to do with me at the three last year. So she's plugging right into his offense, I guess. And then she brings like some leadership. She, uh, she's talking a lot and uh, she talks to me a lot, like about my confidence. And she's like, hey, we need you to do this, do that. So uh, I've been appreciative of that. But um, I think she's fine. Like, will she be 30 minutes a game angel? I mean, probably not right away. But, I mean, she's still going to be a good caliber player. Yeah. How do expectations, I guess, for Vegas change, if at all, without Kelsey and, and Liz? You know, two very important pieces to what you guys did last year. Are you guys like, like, what is the mentality? You know, even with some of the challenges you have now, which we, we don't know quite yet what happened to Alex Bentley. Um, <laughs> I know that, you know, we, we're not sure yet, as you said to me earlier. Um, we talked before the podcast, so we're not sure what, her, what the situation is with her, but you've got short numbers. You're already without Kelsey and Liz, like, I don't believe Sugar's there yet. So, like, what is the mindset right now? I think, I mean, yeah, we are missing Kelsey and Liz, but I think it gives Asia an opportunity to go back to rookie Asia. Yeah. Which was, like, unstoppable. Uh, I think, obviously, Angel's going to fill a role. Um, she can do probably the numbers that Kelsey did, at least. And then um, Kayla's going to probably have more opportunities to score, and then I'll be there just <laughs> cleaning up things. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Oh. 30 shots, you're going to have to do more than clean up. 
we are missing them and they're big pieces to our team, but I still think we have a very talented roster. And I mean, we got D-Rob. I mean, we're not, not talking about that a lot, but um, so I still think we have enough pieces, especially in this year's season to compete and compete at a high level and compete for a championship. All right. I love it. All right. We're going to end with a little segment that I started um, thinking about just, you know, recently called bust my bubble. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to say something about you and you can correct me and bust my bubble or you can say it's correct. Okay. 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 <laughs> All right. Uh, if Dierka was not playing basketball, she would be commentating. Bust my bubble. <laughs> <laughs> what would you be doing? I'd be chilling, okay? <laughs> oh, stop. You have to do something. Can I be a wife? Oh, goodness. Here we go. <laughs> you know what? We're, we're going to work on this, okay, people? We're, 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 this is a work in progress. Okay. I could commentate, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. You've sold me on everything from commentating to PR to, you know, we've been, trust me, we've been. Since, yeah, like 20, what, 12, 2013, we've been talking about this. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, though Dierica is from Georgia, she prefers living in Vegas. Bust your bubble. Okay, come on now. Like, uh, I wait, you, you are, you live in Vegas now, so that's. Vegas because I work in Vegas like don't disrespect don't disrespect my city like that <laughs> I have to disrespect your city like that because right now your city is keeping me out of the limits because of their coronavirus problems okay I can't even go to I would love to live in Atlanta but I play in Vegas so it makes sense for me to buy a house in Vegas since they help you know pay for some stuff you know sure. why not okay all right um last one Get some correct information. <laughs> Listen, I just, that's, I'm giving you a chance to set the record straight. The whole point is I don't know as much as people think I know. Duh. Um, let's see. Uh, last but not least, Bill Lambeer is just one of the most <laughs> difficult people to get along with on the face of the earth. I'm going to buzz your bubble. <laughs> <laughs> I look out for my job. Uh, no, he's um, he's old school. Uh, as far as his coaching goes, he's tough. But once he loves you, he loves you, and he'll do anything for you. He'll still do anything for anybody. Honestly, like if people knew like what he was doing to fight for us right now, like with the league, people would have a lot more respect for him. But obviously, that stuff is not being broadcasted. But um, he's fighting like night in and night out for us, and trying to make the situation as best as possible and like he'll go to war for any of his players so does he give people a hard time yes but he's a big teddy bear at the end of the day well <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna consider my bubble popped but since i'm not in that inner circle i'm gonna keep my no I <laughs> your opinion I, i've seen i've seen some different sides of bill but the, the fact that all of his players always say that he's you know, real that he takes care of you guys. That's the most yeah. part. Who cares about the rest of us? It's you guys against the world, you know, Vegas against everybody else. Bad Bill's bad girls. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> well, Dee, thanks for your time. I'm sure we'll be talking again over the next few weeks. Hopefully when you come back, you'll be undefeated. What do you think? I think I'm looking at 
How many games? 42, 16 and 6. Okay. All right. <laughs> We're going to hold you to that. 16 and 6. And I'm not going to make you make you explain it now, but next time you come on, you got to tell me who those six teams are. <laughs> like, who those six teams are that you think you're going to lose to already. But I won't make you tell me that tonight. Yeah, no, I got to see. We got to see first. Yeah, see what everybody's looking like. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This is fun. Yay. All right, basketball fans. Well, if you've been following any of my social media accounts, you know that I'm a fan of a lot of former WNBA players. You know, Lisa Leslie was one of my favorites. I've always been a Dawn Staley fan, Katie Smith. But I've literally only been obsessed with one former WNBA <laughs> player, and that is our next guest, um, Allison Feaster, you guys should all remember um, from that amazing moment in NCAA history when Harvard took down Stanford. That's right. The 16 took down the number one. It was the Cinderella story of, of NCAA women's basketball. It kind of set the standard for upsets in the tournament. Um, Allison has gone on to not only play in the WNBA, but do big things um, at the NBA level, and she is right now just a major trailblazer. We're going to get into all of that. But welcome to the show, Allison. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Oh, no, it is <laughs> definitely a privilege. Now I get to dig up every picture that I've like begged you for every time I see you and like posting uh. part of the podcast. <laughs> like, and here's Allison and I. Um, but one perspective that we want to get from you um, that is extremely important to the times that we're in right now is your current position is in the NBA with the Boston Celtics and congratulations. You're now a vice president for player development yep. and organizational growth. So congrats to you, but that means you're in the Orlando bubble. Um, right. Give us an idea of what it's like, well, what it was like to get ready for this um, what right. was the process of getting into the bubble. And then what is it kind of like now? Right. Um, you know what this watching the ramp up from when we first had to report uh, back to market on June 22nd to start uh, mandatory testing, mandatory daily tests, uh, I guess twice, um, every other day testing in our um, home markets um, to now being here with our team and kind of already in a rhythm, practice rhythm and testing rhythm. Um, I'm really in awe of what uh, the NBA has done to um, you know, get this, get the season restarted, get this game restarted. Um, you know, I got to first give a huge shout out to my organization who allowed me to come here as, uh, you know, the senior basketball executive on staff. The travel parties are extremely limited. There are only uh, 37 members of the organization who travel and our tr normal travel parties are, um, I'm not sure about the numbers, but over 50 so, um, you know, with the 17 players, 15 NBA contracted players and two uh, two way players, plus our coaching staff, our performance staff um, and security, you know, they carved out a space for me, um, given my role and uh, proximity to the team to, to be able to come here and contribute. So very thankful for this experience and really excited to get this get this you know season going. And so what um, was it like when you first arrived in Orlando? Um, I know you guys had right. to quarantine upon arrival, but what has it just been like kind of getting right. ready for it? Right. Because we um, all, uh, I guess, returned two negative tests prior to boarding the team plane to come to Orlando, 
Um, we were able to all travel together. We landed um, and, you know, got to the hotel in a pretty expeditious fashion. Um, we got here at, I think it was around 11 at night to kind of limit the uh, 36 to 48 hour quarantine period we'd have to spend uh, upon arrival at the hotel. So um, we get to the hotel, we go directly to our first test, um, and then we head into our rooms and, um, you know, we had food delivered uh, from the hotel staff um, to begin the quarantine and spent the next uh, day and a half or so um, in our rooms. And we were able to connect um, on Zoom the following day. Uh, upon arrival, we had a, um, you know, we're really focused on this social justice conversation and just, you know, doing um, what we can to, to keep our players and staff engaged and to learn. So we had Henry Louis Gates, Professor Henry, Henry Louis Gates from Harvard University uh, on with us. And one of our, um, um, Glenn Hutchins from our um, investor group was also on. And, you know, it was a, a special time for us to um, connect, even though we are, we were physically separated in our room. So. Wow. And as you get ready to get going, what will be kind of your day-to-day -day role with the team, especially with this new title girl? We are, <laughs> <laughs> we are here for it. Yes. Uh, what yeah. will your day-to-day -day be like? Um, yes. So, so far it's, um, you know, doing daily calls with uh, the NBA league operations task force. Um, there are, uh, representatives from all 22 teams who are here in the bubble to, you know, give feedback, to discuss, um, you know, goings on, to um, troubleshoot, to, you know, just connect on a daily basis to make sure um, that we address issues as they arise. And um, other than that, it's daily testing. It's, um, you know, being with the team and the guys in their practice and shooting sessions. Um, you know, some other daily, you know, tasks that we all have, you know, the, your work doesn't stop just because basketball is about to restart. So um, it's, that's pretty much it. And definitely, uh, you know, your daily Peloton ride. So. Oh, yes. Got a Peloton Gotta get it in. bubble. Gotta get it in. <laughs> Man, I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie. And I had this conversation yesterday with a one of my colleagues from ESPN on the podcast that, you know, some of us that have been looking at the goings on in the WNBA bubble and look at the WNBA <laughs> bubble, we're like, wait a minute, y'all are on a boat fishing. You got a bar yeah. off and now I'm finding yeah. out you have a Peloton. Like, yeah. I have but um, I won't get into that right now. So let's all take right. back a little bit um, because, of course, we all know you from your time at Harvard. You were the number five pick in the 1998 WBA draft. Um, you were three-time Ivy League Player of the Year when you were at Harvard. You led Division One in scoring. Um, we remember you in the WNBA from your days uh, with the Charlotte Sting, but you played 10 WNBA seasons with LA, Charlotte, and the Indiana Fever. You also played overseas in several places, including Portugal, France, Spain, and Italy. So how did your journey um, in the WNBA as a player land you here now as a vice president uh, in the NBA? Wow. I'm, I am always very careful to give credit to, um, you know, my years playing in the WNBA and having had that exposure to the, you know, truly elite um, talent in basketball, uh, you know, worldwide. It taught me a level of competitiveness, a level of attention to detail, you know, valuing what and how I treated my body. Um, it, it, 
helped me value, you know, just using basketball as a vehicle to kind of capitalize on the, um, I guess the external luxuries that are related to the game, like using your platform and it's a luxury using your platform, you know, as an ambassador to spread, you know, the values that we all acquire through the, through the game. So, um, yeah, without the W, I would not have, um, I certainly would not have, you know, been able to play on the, some of the top European teams. Uh, without the W, I wouldn't have gotten my first position at the NBA in the Basketball Operations Associates program. I wouldn't have met, you know, Danny Ainge at, if I hadn't, you know, had had that program, you know, and I certainly wouldn't have this job. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful for, for, the, for the league and what it's done for, you know, us former players. And you mentioned the um, NBA Basketball Operations Associate Program. Tell us a little bit about that program and, and, and what it does for right. WNBA players who want opportunities to work in, in right. front office and, and in leagues. Right. So um, Stacy Lovelace, uh, who's now an employee at the NBA and player development, were, um, the two of us were a part of the um, inaugural class with four NBA players. And, um, you know, I'm just going to be frank. We don't always get the the opportunity, the prime opportunities, um, but having been afforded uh, that visibility um, through that program, um, you know, which allowed us to kind of partner or learn from five teams. Each of us, the league was split up into, you know, each of us had five teams and um, had a chance to learn from Boston, from Charlotte, from Memphis, from Washington, and from Brooklyn. Never would have had that exposure. I didn't have any. NBA contacts. I didn't, you know, know players from Duke and Kentucky. Like if you play at those big schools, you might have that type of network. I didn't have that network. So, um, you know, just that program facilitating those introductions uh, to the, to the men's game. Um, and then being able to, you know, learn from the hub of the NBA um, and to have access to all of the different platforms from, you know, the NBA academies to, um, the different other, you know, grassroots events that, that are done around the world. And um, just to learn about the individual business units at the NBA and how they all come together to, you know, to make this league what it is. Yeah, that program was crucial for, for me and for Stacy, And, you know, in, in later co cohorts, Lindsay um, Harden, who is now um, a coach in the NBA, um, you know, was a participant. Michelle Van Gorp, who is in, working in referee operations at the NBA, um, yeah, it's, it's just, it was an amazing opportunity. Ashley Battle was was um, a, an associate. I think Taj uh, McWilliams-Franklin was an associate. So uh, who are all employed now either by the league office or with teams. So uh, it was a tremendous opportunity for us. Yeah, and as I listen to you talk, I think about the importance of exposure, right? A program yeah. like that, because when we look across um, a lot of front offices in various sports leagues, they're just not a lot of women and definitely not a lot of black women who make it to your level, so to say, as a VP. So when you rewind that back and say, well, where did this start for her? Um, exposure to five teams and getting to interact yeah. with all those different executives and not only for them to see how amazing you are personally, but hey, maybe we should open our minds up to um, the possibility of, of women in these positions yeah. and what they can bring. I'm just curious your thoughts, especially as we're having these broad conversations now about systemic racism and diversity, um, what else can happen so that we can have more women of color um, in positions like yours? 
Yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's great uh, that conversations are being had, but um, you gotta, we, we have to make a concerted effort to increase the talent pool, to um, increase the candidate pool. If, I mean, you know better than I do the number of, and we're just talking about the WNBA right now. So the number of WNBA women who have four-year degrees, a lot of them have advanced degrees, a lot of them have international experience, speak various languages, um, played professionally all over the world, played collegiately, probably co- um, player coaches, probably have done some side hustle, you know, run, has, have experience as entrepreneurs, um, know the game inside and out. So there's a wealth of candidates, you know, at the behest of any front office, um, you know, executive. So it's, it's a matter of increasing that opportunity, interviewing more people, um, shaking more trees. Um, it's, it's not, you know, it's not rocket science. It's, it's, it's something that can be done. And, you know, I think a lot of teams, I know the NBA is very focused on shining a bright light on, you know, compositions of, or, of the organizations in, in the league. So, um, you know, the more we can do that, the more we can keep having these conversations and people in, in roles of influence um, and decision-making roles have to, you know, take those steps to get those people in those roles. So. Yeah, I've seen a lot of the conversations and dialogue. I'm not sure exactly where it all landed, but I know there are some specific initiatives that um, players are asking of the NBA to make sure that there is diversity in the ownership and other ranks. Um, You know, not just in the players in the league, right? But wanting to reflect what they see in the front office, which I think is great to your point. Like, and and at the, the end of the day, and I heard a great quote um, from D Wade the other day, as, as he was talking about something he learned from Coach Pop was, you know, oftentimes things don't happen unless you apply pressure. And yeah. right now, the pressure pressure is being applied. People are using their voices, and so we're seeing changes in protocol. We're seeing changes in legislation. You know, if we broaden this conversation to what's happening, you know, around Black Lives Matter and uh, police violence. So uh, it, it's been interesting to see how how change is made when people just kind of keep their thumb on it and and keep talking about it um you mentioned the WNBA players and and they are just I'm amazed by the women in this league as you just mentioned the the various languages well-traveled very educated all of those things and And I forgot to say mothers on some of them are mothers on top of that like yes (laughs) I was gonna say you have, you have, uh, I have a 14 year old. I have a 14 year old. Yeah. Oh, you had so. to her for the bubble. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I did. No. But she's, she's in her own world. Like she's 14. She's playing travel ball. She's yeah, she's good. <laughs> I miss her more than she misses me without a doubt. Oh, well, we need to be on the lookout for her. But it's funny, I had a conversation with a friend of mine yesterday who was like quietly speaking on the Zoom because, uh, you know, she's just her 14 year old right now is she's not her favorite person. Let's just say that. Yeah. You know, that teenage years when yes. mom is like your worst enemy and it turns around and she becomes your best friend again. But yep. well, those teenage years can be kind of rough. So that's good that things Facts. are going well. <laughs> between you uh between you guys but yeah so WNBA players are all these things and um not only in the front office of the NBA we're seeing some changes happening in the coaching ranks and I wanted to just get your thoughts um someone that you worked alongside for the last year Carol Lawson who was assistant with Boston just got hired to Duke 
you saw Kara in the coaching space. Um, right. What did you see as just the, the characteristics or the skill set that Kara has where um, she would go on and not only get a job at Duke, but that you think may bring her success there? Yeah, man, um, winner. Um, just, I didn't know Kara personally before, you know, we had the, the pleasure of working together, but just amazed at um, her resume, um, who she is as a person. Um, she's knowledgeable of the game. She's passionate. Um, and she commanded the respect of everybody in this organization. And she left an indelible mark here. And you can see that, um, you know, with how she was torn. No doubt she wanted to be a, you know, a head coach, but torn between two amazing opportunities, you know, kind of leaving one, you know, the elite of the elite on one side and going to the elite on the other side. Um, yeah, um, she definitely left her mark on me. Um, I'm, I'm very happy that she has this opportunity to kind of fulfill her dream. But, you know, as she was weighing her decision and departing, um, you know, we reflected on, you know, the things she'd done in her life and the steps she'd taken and being set up for a moment like this, you know, and being able to go into an organization, a school with such, you know, story history as, as Duke. Uh, my sister's a Duke grad. I was a Dukey before I was a Crimson, you know, watching, you know, the, the basketball um, back in the day. So she's going to do great things. And um, yeah, I'm just beside myself happy for her. So your family has a Duke grad and a Harvard grad. I mean, don't tell yeah. me. You know, my mother was already like, listen, you need to go to Harvard. My family's from Boston. So we found out no. about you. It's like, okay, listen, this is <laughs> But now to find out that y'all had two academic brilliant kids in the family. Any others? I mean, gosh, did you have a Princeton to add to Duke and Harvard or what? I do have some first cousins. One went to Dartmouth. One went to Brown. Um, it's a, you know, a set of girls who were, you know, trying to follow the example of our, our, you know, grandparents, great grandparents who like stressed education as the only, as the only way, like something that no one can take from you. So we, we went hard at it. That's awesome. Wow. Somebody needs to do a story on just that. Okay? <laughs> Please, Tarika, sign us up for 30 for 30. Um, <laughs> I'm curious what you think about the bubble situation right now for WNBA players, like the approach yeah. for the players, the challenge of the coaches, even the front office that's trying to, you know, we've seen some things, some bad press here and there about accommodations yeah. and just all kinds of things. As a putting yourself back in that space as a player, how do you approach some of the challenges of this upcoming season? Or even we'll take your front office hat as well. <laughs> yeah. So let me just say first, I don't, I'm not as well versed on what's going on inside the WNBA bubble um, as I am, you know, with my own, you know, direct experience here yeah. um, but I would just say this is a, a pandemic um, and I'm having these conversations with guys here who as good as this bubble is there are you know there are things that folks aren't used to dealing with um, any type of adversity like if if you've ever weathered any type of adversity then you'd know that this bubble in Orlando and the W bubble is nothing compared to it. 
Um, I try to look at things from a positive perspective and without knowing anything about what's going on in the W bubble, I would just say um, to those women, to the coaches, um, to staff that you have no idea what, and maybe, maybe you all, they do, you have no idea what it means to young women and girls out there who are about to, um, you know, have something that is like food for their soul to see the most amazing women's basketball players in the world, you know, take the court again. And I have, you know, friends who are in, in front offices in, in the W, former coaches. I can't wait to, to see to see the game. And so really appreciate the sacrifice. No, it's not perfect, but um, you know, it's so valuable uh, socially what what all these athletes are about to do. Yeah. A lot of players have compared it to or WNBA players have said, listen, we've done this before because we've gone overseas. Do you yeah. see some similarities or where you could draw from those two, those two experiences? Absolutely. I, I can't tell you how many times um, we've been abroad in countries and no disrespect to, you know, different cultures, but it's not the food you're used to having. It's not the, the choice in food. It's not your apartment is super small. Um, a plethora of other issues that, you know, you consider, but if you've, if you've lived abroad, if you have that exposure, then there's not much more, you know, you can't do the, the language barrier, the, the medical situation, like there's just, there are so many things that um, presented themselves at the time back in the day that, yeah, living in a bubble here in the States is a piece of cake. LaChana Robinson, speaking to Allison Feaster, who um, has gone on from her days at Harvard. For those of you that have missed it, she is now the vice president um, of player development and organizational growth for the Boston Celtics. Um, Allison, I have to dig into your WNBA archives for just a moment because I'm, I'm just burning to know a few things. So first, my question would be, who was the player that just had your number? Um, <laughs> I remember you, you, know, you were you were you were tough, you know, like on both ends. But especially I remember you were you would get into somebody defensively. Who was that player that just no matter how hard you tried, just gave you buckets? Who was it? Uh, I can name a nice little handful: <laughs> Cheryl Swoops, uh, Cynthia Cooper, Shamika Holesclaw, uh, Tamika Catchings. Like the list, the list is 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 full. Um, and I don't know. Good times thinking about you know Coop, for example, who um, was very methodical and and very experienced, having played so many years in Italy, and would just come back here and was unstoppable. Um, the same with with Cheryl Swoops, just not you know amazing, dazzling with you know ball handling skills, but so quick. It's like what can you do? What can, backdoor cutting steals, um, and then Shamika Holesclaw, and then I can fast forward to my later years. I can recall um, trying to guard Candace Parker, and <laughs> I believe she's six four, and I'm a five eleven. So <laughs> I, I can recall her palming the ball and me trying to swat at maybe her oh. elbow, not even being able to reach it. So, yeah, um, I gave it. I gave it. I gave it the best I could. Yeah, who impresses you these days? Like when you turn on WBA basketball, you think about the league now. Who's the player that you're just like, wow, this is this is incredible yeah. where the game is. You know, I I still am very impressed by Maya Moore, although she hasn't taken the you know been on the court for a couple of years. Um, she's probably the player I 
always say to my daughter, like, that's, that's your, that's your model. Like you have to, um, you have to watch this woman's game. And so, um, but I think about the players I've played against um, and with uh, Duana Bonner, for example, played with her in Salamanca, Spain, and just watching her and being able to come back from, you know, giving birth and, you know, just being an all-star. Um, Tarasi still amazes me. She's, I forgot to throw her in the mix with uh, players that they gave, burned you. They got yeah, smoked. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those, you know, iconic players uh, uh, for me. And then I'm pretty sure there are a slew of other, you know, younger players who are just killing it. So um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the game. When you look around our world and everything that's happening, um, you know, right now you have a 14 year old daughter, you know, we're in a pandemic, we're in the middle of, you know, trying to um, eradicate some of the racism in our, our country that's been prevalent for years. Um, what what do you draw on in terms of your strength, um, your self-care? Um, yeah. How do you keep your compass pointed in the right way? You know, I know we've all woken, gotten out of the bed some days in the past few months and just been like, listen, it's 2020 over yet, <laughs> you, know? Yeah. Um, you know? Even going back, I say for me, to the death of Kobe Bryant, which just I thought was going to be the beginning of a, a very challenging time, and it has been. But where do you kind of find that um your strength in, in everything yeah. that's happening in the world and all the responsibilities even that you're having to juggle as a leader yeah um great question i am so thankful uh that in the midst of this pandemic in the midst of the you know the racial crisis and social justice crisis that we're experiencing that i was able to have three months with my mom and my stepdad in south carolina so um I, I think right around George Floyd's murder uh, was when I realized that uh, I hadn't been paying attention to the, I guess, the current of adversity that's constantly, you know, that was constantly blowing in in my face at times, you know, growing up. And uh, I'm sure you've experienced it as well. And so many other um, you know, people, women of color have been, um, you know, kind of navigating lifelong and it's just been a, a matter of you know this is we got to do what we got to do we have to grind we have to get up we don't have time to show um, pain or weakness um, and that was really the first time like being there with my mom and seeing you know a nation crying out that I was conscious of some in, inner oh oh like it's, it's just pain and so ha being there with her seeing her and understanding that my few years of struggle and you know is zero compared to hers and everybody else's it it makes you you know put things in perspective and snap back and um and you know kind of refocus but yeah there are times where you these past three months haven't been easy and you have to you know really um you know call on that that strength and and look for um external strength which is what i did with her so yeah feels good when you can draw strength from your parents right it's like absolutely you kind of think you're over that you know and, and for me it's been i've gone from you know they say 
as your parents get older, they kind of become your children. And my yeah. mother talks to me like every five minutes. And so I'm like, okay, mom. But in this stretch, it was nice to hear, you know, some of what she went through. You know, she talks about yeah. walking the hallways of her high school where they were just desegregating and, yeah. you know, being called the raccoon and people asking her if they could see her tail and just all of the terrible, awful things. I mean, my mother yeah. literally graduated from high school two years early because she couldn't take it. Like she wow. took extra classes. And just, it was, it was a very abusive environment going to school every day. And so when I think about what she went through, or we reflect on John Lewis, who we just recently yeah. lost, it's like, okay, we can pick up our, our burden and walk with it because they did yeah. it for us, right? Absolutely. Under yeah. um, just much more just dangerous circumstances than yeah. what we're facing every day now. Yes. So totally get that. And, 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 and I'm sure for you and, you don't have to say this. I was born in Boston. My family is from Boston. But I'm sure it was a little bit, maybe easier dealing with what was happening around racism in South Carolina than in Boston. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. But um, I know that, um, you know, Boston has some some challenges as it pertains to, to race relations. Not that everywhere does, but right. a lot of healing and education still needs to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, around everything. Well, Allison, we appreciate your time. Awesome as always. Great. Is it Oprah? Like this is <laughs> this is like home. This is this is family. <laughs> I know. Well, look, Tarika will look. I could talk all day. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> See how she pops up. And she's like, yeah. Okay, we're good. Um, but we will have you back on. We would like to actually have you back on in increments over the next few months just to check in and see how things are going as NBA. I know you'll get busier as the game yeah. started, but if we can steal away a few minutes, I know our WNBA fans would love it. I know your biggest fan over here would love it. Yeah, um, I would love it. Time. And thank you for just, I mean, you're in such an important place and so deserving. Um, who you've thank been as you. a person, just so humble, so hardworking. And then what you've meant to the WNBA as a role model, what you're doing right now, these women, us as women, um, yeah. can all look at as, as an example of what can be achieved. So thank you for your resilience, you know? No. I know that the life transitions, especially going from a player to the real world is finding the next drive. <laughs> yeah. Not that easy. Might be our next, that might be our next yes. episode, right? But Man. thank you so much. And, and please be safe out there. I saw Becky Hammond into an alligator so we don't want oh yeah (laughs) please be safe and we'll talk to you again soon awesome thank you appreciate it all right basketball fans well first we want to give a huge thank you to allison and dierica for joining us on today's show much luck and success to them both as they begin to compete this season thank you guys for listening for tuning in i'm from the china and i we will be back next week um and of course we'll have some awesome guests and conversation for you so until then guys Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.